Hey, look, I know we told you it was a daily World Cup podcast. It's an almost daily World Cup podcast, but this has been the World Cup of Broken Promises, so that is thematically appropriate. The national curriculum here with you to talk four more exciting games. Well, three exciting games and another nil-nil draw. Josh Parrish here alongside Joey Lynch, live from Doha. How are you, Joey? Uh, I believe the scientific term is cooked. <laughs> well, we already knew that, but uh, uh, we've got Ben Smith over in WA. Ben? Greetings from 6.30am uh, Western Standard Time. I've been up since five uh, <laughs> with work, so um, um, shout out to Boss Coffee. If we can get a sponsorship, that would be great. <laughs> it would be nice to have some sort of caffeine-related uh, sponsor to take us through the World Cup because... Gee, four games a night is not sustainable, <laughs> I have to say. Even when you're like catching up on one on a mini-match, it's, it's rough. And uh, coming to us uh, from, uh, I guess, after a, a, a heartbreaking uh, but creditable 3-2 defeat to Portugal, Ghana superfan, Pakua Frimpong. Pakua, how are you holding up? Josh, I'm, I'm recovering. You know, it's, I'm feeling emotional. So I've seen nonsense. I want to discuss the nonsense, but I'll get over it eventually. Eventually, if we don't qualify, can, can, can we get Pakua's dad on the show? I think I feel like he'd come no, in. He's gone to work. Right he's gone to work, <laughs> and honestly, like the way we celebrated this morning, the Andre Ayew goal, and the way I saw the like pain, and my dad just not react when. And R.K. Williams didn't score, and he was just like, yep, that just happened, but no emotion. It's been a long morning in this house. It's been a long morning. Well, yes, if people haven't seen that game, uh, what happened in the seventh minute of stoppage time, Pakur? Oh, no, no, Josh, tenth minute of stoppage time. Tenth minute, minute, sorry. Oh, my goodness. Last last moment of play. So Ghana had crossed it in. We had had a beautiful cross come in on on the left-hand side. Portuguese keeper, I don't want to say his name because he was a shocker all game. Absolute stinker of a goalkeeper. Had the ball in his hands. Anarko Williams had done nothing all game. Stood so perfectly behind him as if the goalkeeper turned around, he wouldn't see Anarko Williams. Goalkeeper lets the ball on the ground. Anarko Williams, beautiful run and slips, Josh, slips. Stephen Gerrard level slippage. <laughs> open, open net. And he, and he bottled it. And my first reaction was, Surely that's a foul, but looking back on it, it wasn't, and we lose the game three two. Very disappointing. As you can tell, my voice is a little bit gone. <laughs> a lot of screaming being done at three yes, a.m. this morning. Horrendous. That's that sounds hilarious. Oh, is it? Is it? Oh, yeah. It'd be hilarious when England lose in the final. That'll be hilarious. I, I, I can't relate. I can't relate because we won six two. You know, so that's nice, Joey. I see you switching your allegiance constantly, but it's all right, man. It's all right. <laughs> <laughs> who do I switch my allegiance? No, 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 no. Like who do I switch England, my... You know, you do your thing, man. No, it's, all, it's always England. It's always England. Everybody else on this pod will tell you. It wasn't England, England at the Euros when they lost. Yes, it was. <laughs> if you uh, can't tell on the stream or if you're listening on the podcast, uh, our background today is... Uh, Bukhari doing the Ronaldo Sue celebration, even though he scored a consolation goal, as it proved when Ghana were down 3 2. Uh, do you rate the shithousery, Pakua? Absolutely. Because the whole theme of this game was, oh, Ronaldo this, Ronaldo that. And I don't think he had a particularly great game. And 
the fact that he got man of the match, he deserves this kind of embarrassment that we troll him even when we're losing because he didn't even have that good of a game. He did make World Cup history, however. Uh, no, that is the, fir- the first man to score in five World Cups. Um, uh, so, you know, it was a penalty. Uh, a, s- a what? Semi-dubious penalty. What? No, no. Sh- shut up, Josh. Shut no, no, no. I'm saying the goal he scored was from a penalty. That is a I statement know, look, of fact. I just feel like this is why I come on here with you sometimes because you do this nonsense. Oh, I'm devil's advocate. Oh, I'm devil's advocate. I'm Josh. I'm going to be, gonna be different. Gonna be different. No, okay. Wasn't a penalty. Forget it. It's a statement of fact that he scored from twelve yards. Whether or not the penalty should have been awarded is quite another matter. I think you've gone early there for good. But um, so yeah, you're saying it's a it's a disgrace. It's uh, it is what Didier Drogba said. It is a disgrace. <laughs> Shambolic is what it was. Salisu, the, the issue I have with the the penalty is that I can understand why the referee is given a penalty from his angle, right? But if we're going to insist on VAR being relevant, and it's been relevant throughout this entire tournament on multiple occasions, the fact that VAR wasn't, and Sean Evans letting me down, again, in the VAR box, I don't know what that man's doing. The fact that VAR didn't even check it it for a penalty, like check, overview it, it frustrates me because... If you can see on multiple angles that Salasu gets the ball first and makes contact with Ronaldo after, I do think it was poor from Salasu to go in because Ronaldo was heading away from goal and Ronaldo wanted a penalty. But I still think Salasu gets there first and gets the ball first. I do have to point out that the rule isn't if you get the ball first, everything's kosher. No, but, but but I don't think he makes enough contact with Ronaldo for him to Ronaldo to go down and for it to be awarded a penalty. He gets there first. That's he gets the oh, spot first. I agree with you, Picard. You know, I'm very much on the down with CR7 hype train. I just wanted to be a devil's advocate. Yeah, look at that. Look at that. Joey in, incorporating the Josh antics. And this is why I don't come onto the show. I don't like it. Joey's switched his allegiance to uh, Portugal. Yeah, exactly. See this? No, Keep get, get, get absolutely stuffed. Get stuffed. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, Ronaldo took the lead for Portugal after a scoreless first half. Andre, are you with the equaliser? But I have to say I was uh, quite impressed, Bakur, with the performance of Mohamed Kudus in the Ghanaian midfield. Josh, I said in my tweet when the Ghana squad got announced that Kudus is going to have the tournament like Kevin Spring Boateng did in 2010. And he's proved that. And the only downside about this his entire game today was the fact that he got a yellow card. Because it, it makes it like we're in a precarious situation heading into these next two games. <coughs> his performance, his work rate, the turns that he was doing in the midfield, because he's the only Ghana player who was moving forward a lot of the time because Thomas Partey is a defensive midfielder. He's, that his natural instinct is not to go forward. Kudus was making the runs. Andre Ayu, like had the experience of being in a World Cup before. They just linked up so well. I still cannot understand, and me and my dad could not rationalise why Otto Addo made the decision to take Kudus and Andre Ayu off at the same time. And as soon as he took them both off, we conceded two goals in a span of five minutes. Kudus was our best player. Asamoah Jan is also saying, why are we taking him off? Because we lose all our rhythm forward. And I get it, we got these strikers, but Ghana's thing is we're, we're decent, at the attack, and we're decent in the back. 
But the midfield, our linking, that's where we struggle a lot of the time. And you're taking our most, the player who drives us forward off. I cannot stand it. But Huda's had a sensational game and he's going to have an incredible tournament when we make the round of 16. Oh, he almost scored one of the goals of the tournament with a run from about halfway line and then flashing past the post with that strike from distance. And, um, you know, he was sensational. The run he made to, to tee up um, IU's equaliser was, was also really impressive. But then, as you say, the substitutions uh, made by Otto Addo and then immediately, like, Andre Ayu is still celebrating the equaliser with his teammates on the bench and then turns around and has the horrible realisation that Portugal have scored. And I have to say, Baba Rahman, for a couple of the goals, I was not impressed. No, Josh, this is the thing, yeah? I don't understand why Baba Rahman has lost his senses. He knows, he knows full well that the, the lots of Ghana, Ghana fans did not want him in this squad. And the fact that he is made such a mess in the back. I don't understand why he wants pain and suffering when he goes to Ghana on a holiday. I don't understand because it was, he had a stinker. I thought Salasu was so great. I was like, Baba Rahman, do you not want to go to Kumasi? Do you not want to go to Accra? Do you not want to be invited in Christmas? Because shambolic, shambolic. This is what he does sometimes. He's prone to these levels of brain farts. And he's one of the only three players who's been to the World Cup before. And this man has lost his mind again. <sighs> Deep breaths. Deep breaths. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, he was, I guess, on skates for a couple of them. Didn't really know where his marker was. He was trying to look at the ball and then the marker was getting away from him down the blind side and he, he wasn't able to intercept or track the runner uh, for either of them. Uh, a couple of very nicely timed passes, it must be said, from uh, Bruno Fernandes, who, while not having a great overall game, Ben, uh, made some key contributions with his final balls. He did. Um, yeah, just... He, we know kind of Bruno Fernandes has that in his locker, you know, he's done very much of a similar a similar thing for Manchester United this year where he's just got that, you know, he has a habit of maybe going missing in games. And, you know, um, I'm sure we'll talk about another player a bit later who also went missing and then showed up uh, when the chips were down. Um, but, yeah, he, he'll always have that presence in the final third where you need to... You need to keep an eye on him at all times. He can produce that moment of quality and, you know, that pass for uh, Rafael Leo's uh, third, well, the third goal was, you know, that's just inch perfect. And, you know, watching the Uruguay-South um, Korea game earlier in, in the uh, in the night, um, you know, Uruguay's best chance was a breakaway, which um, uh, it was Oliveira just completely, um, like, Overhit the part, the slip pass through to Darwin Nunez, um, and the you know the chance was wasted. Whereas you know you look at Fernandez on that on that third goal, and it's just an inch perfect pass, and Leo just kind of just sweeps it home. And it's um, yeah, doesn't get much easier than that. Yeah, I mean it was it looked offside in live play. Even the commentary was calling it as offside. And there were a few issues with the commentators in this game, no, notably the uh, Kari goal being misided. Honestly, yeah, oh, yeah, that was it. Was, it was apparently Jordan I Ayu. Can't make, no, no, this is the thing. I can't make any commentary because I had a stinker. But I could not understand why they were talking about Jordan Ayu. I was like, Jordan Ayu was the build-up to that play. 
He was nowhere near the box. He was nowhere near the ball. <laughs> and then they doubled, the commentator doubled down when it cut to the close up of Bakari as well. Like, it's like. <laughs> Jordan Ayu is a light skinned brother. Bakari is not a part of the light skinned band, bandhood. So I don't really understand how we've got them confused. It was also, I also think it's, it's, um, it's just bad form to say it looks offside in as the goal's being scored because it might not be. You can do it as they, like, after they wheel away, you know, question mark about offside or whatever. But, um, like, it kind of ruins the moment where you're saying it's not a goal and then you go, oh, it is a goal. Uh, and it, it was too close. It was too close to court like that. Anyway. Yeah. Uh, lovely finish from uh, the substitute, Rafael Leao. I feel contractually obliged to uh, point to his performance after Nick Dibano couldn't stop hyping him uh, in the lead up to the tournament. Did not start. I am a part of the, I am, I, I do really rate Rafael Leao and I couldn't believe that he didn't start. And my comment to my dad, who's who's like, who kind of watches, like watches football, but doesn't, he's not up to it. I was like, the high fraud alert, the fact that, there's high fraud alerts for this Portuguese side. The fact that Rafael Leal is not starting. This is why we can win the game because smart decisions are not being made on that side of the park. So for him not to start was crazy, but I thought when he came on, he was he looked calm and he was smiling even before the ball hit the back of the net. That's just his confidence level at the moment. <laughs> Love that energy. Um, but I, I just think there's massive question marks in central defence for this Portuguese team. Um, Ben, do you want to jump in on that? Because Danilo Pereira is yeah, not the was, answer. He, uh, if Danilo Pereira is the answer, the question is which centre-back looks, looks so suspect that you would not trust him to guard. Um, not a, a 3-0 lead. It was He was, um, yeah, but at fault for both of Ghana's goals. Um, I think the first one just went kind of through his legs. He tried to clear it and it just nutmegged him. And, um, but I mean, that happened on, on a Sunday league park, you'd be embarrassed. The fact it's happening at a world cup is, uh, well, it's not great, Bob. Um, yeah. It, um, I said coming into this tournament, Portugal were going out in the group stages. Um, when I kind of woke up, checked the results, I was like, Oh, maybe I've been wrong. Maybe I was wrong about Portugal, but you know, from what, from what I've read, from what I've seen this morning, kind of catching up on the games, I still don't. They've got all this attacking talent, but they're you know they're so committed to this kind of sufferable approach, uh, which is you know for that uh, the coach is it Fernando Santos is still a coach. Yes, has been kind of he's he's made that his calling card, and you know they did win the Euros in 2016 playing that way, which that 2016 final was one of the worst games of football I think I've ever watched. Um, you don't that was. Oh, it was a great goal. I actually loved the goal. That was a one moment of quality in the entire what two hours. Um, I'm still very traumatized and, and uh, receiving therapy for getting up at three a.m. in the morning to watch that game. It was my defining memory of, of that is Andre Pierre Gignac like being France's only hope to score a goal, and it just and Ronaldo coaching somehow. And Ronaldo coaching from the yeah. sidelines after he came <laughs> off injured, and he was just for one basically <laughs> throwing magnets at the board and saying, "You go there, you go there, press, drop." Um, and and Fernando yeah. Santos hasn't had a new idea since then. Like he's no, been coaching the, the team for eight years. But the problem with this Portuguese side is their inability to make the big decision because the big decision is to put Ronaldo on the bench because you have better players that will allow you to play a more fluid system. Because if they make that big, better decision, it might, the the early changes 
they might struggle, but the long term and your ability to grow as a country in terms of the we're playing style, it will you will be rewarded for it in the future by giving these younger players playing time than mm. playing Ronaldo up front who doesn't connect your midfield to your attack. He just stands up up the top. But the coach isn't going to bench himself, Bakur. The real coach, I mean. Not going to, <laughs> he's not going to sub himself off. He's not. So. But, you know, I, this was a game for Ghana to win. And I felt confident. And I think we could have got a point out of it and probably should have got a point out of it. But Portugal are not getting out of this group. They are suspect. And they do not play nice football to watch. I'm keen to get Joey involved before he falls asleep. Um, Joey, I know you're uh, you're pushing through the ticket barrier right now. Uh, Ronaldo becoming not only the first man to score in five World Cups, obviously Marta doing it first in the women's game, uh, but also the second oldest World Cup goal scorer ever behind Roger Miller, which I think is a stat that would actually annoy Ronaldo more than anything because it just points to how fucking old he is. Uh, can he go again? Is he going to break Miller's record? Is he going to go to six? He, if he wants to, the, the way that Portugal, the, the Portuguese FA and everyone, you know, that entire sort of federation seems to tiptoe around what does Ronaldo want and how can we make Ronaldo a happy boy. I get the feeling he could be, you know, he could put his feet up for two years, sorry, three years, announce a comeback and then probably pick him anyway just because that seems to be what this Portuguese FA do. So I think he can go around again. Might just depend on, A, if he wants to, and B, if the Portuguese Federation can grow a spine or not. Oh, he wants to, John. He wants to. He wants 600 million Instagram followers. Don't worry about it. He wants to. Ronaldo's not going to have a club for the next three and a half years, and he's still going to lead the line. He's still going to lead the line. <laughs> In 2026. The American Soccer World Cup. Oh, well, well, maybe maybe that's the thing. Maybe that's the thing that we'll be holding. It might depend on the draw that the Portuguese get for the 2026 mm. World Cup. If he doesn't have to travel to the US, maybe he comes back. If they're drawn in a US-based group, maybe he doesn't come back. I didn't even think of that, but that would be incredible if Ronaldo's availability was dictated by whether the games are in Toronto or Mexico City. <laughs> uh, yeah. Allegedly. Allegedly. Uh, yes. Uh, disclaimers attached. Um, uh, Pakua, how do you feel about Ghana's chances of qualifying now? You know, obviously they, they played well in that second half, unlucky, but still on zero points coming into this second game against uh, against South Korea. Probably a good result for Ghana, given that South Korea and, and Uruguay drew and you're, you're only one point off the, the second place. No, I think that I'm really confident with the fact that Portugal was our first game because now that both of both sides have to both um, both Uruguay and South Korea have to pay face Portugal now and if we can I feel confident in the way we play if we play more attacking and play more confident and less restrictive in ourselves because I think the first 45 minutes of that Portugal game we were quite res- we restricted ourselves not to lose the game which mm. well you know down the line we lost it for ourselves in many ways but I think we played well enough, and especially that Uruguay game. I don't think Ghan, like Ghanaian players are wanting to lose that, especially Andre Ayew, who was there for that. I think it's really important we get a point there, and I think we're a better team than South Korea, in my opinion. 
but that's just me. I'm just biased. Any changes you want to see for the second game? Uh, yeah. Seydu, thank you. Farewell. Tariq Lamptey, get <laughs> off the field. Thanks and success. <laughs> Thanks and success. Get off the field. That man was shambolic at times. And I was going, I asked my dad, I was like, is he from Kumasi? And my dad goes, oh, yeah, how did you know that he was from Kumasi? I said, well, because the man's so short, why is he out there getting killed? And you're going to replace him with Tarek Lamptey? No, because Tariq Lamptey's <laughs> at least got pace, Josh, at least got pace for his his shortness, okay? Seydu wasn't providing anything. That short king did not deserve to be out there. And all our attacks were coming, all their attacks were coming down that side. It was torturous to watch him. Thanks and success. Bye-bye. And Arke Williams, unless we're going to play three at the front, I do not want to see him just play by himself up there because he was ineffective mm. this entire game. And I couldn't believe he wasn't the one who came off instead of Kudus. Baba Rahman, thanks and success. Get off the field. Um, Otawado, take charge and let the Ghana FA take the shackles off this man and let him make some decisions because the Baba Rahman shackles are tight at the moment. They need to be let go. They need to be let go. We've got Nick Stoll joining the stream. Uh, welcome, Stoll. Good morning. Uh, Good morning. I... I'm as tired as is possible to be, but it is great to be here. <laughs> um, what a night of football we have had. Uh, I may be hallucinating this. I do not know if I'm dreaming this, uh, but it is very good to see you all uh, in this very moment. Um, I don't know where in the conversation I'm joining you, but it seems like because I was quite uh, annoyed about uh, Ghana's performance against Portugal. One thing I'll say on this game, I don't know if you saw it. There's a replay. Everyone, you know, if you have to watch the full game to see this, when Rafael Leal scores his goal, he's smiling. He has this massive smile on his face before he hits the ball. I've never seen such confidence. The angle was tough. No, this wasn't a tap. Not since Ronaldinho and his Barcelona pomp. Man, it was like, I genuinely was it like, this is like the smile on his face before he touched the ball. It was one of the great World Cup moments. The second almost almost the greatest World Cup moment ever might have been in Yucky Williams nearly stealing that ball <laughs> at the end to pot- potentially make it 3-3. We were robbed right then of what that would have been the, one of the greatest things. And then if they cut to Ronaldo's face of him just being so pissed off with his teammate, that's what the World Cup's all about. Steven Jones um, slip right there. Yeah, I look... Uh, I don't really have much coherent thoughts uh, in general in life but uh, about uh, anything that's happening right now. Um, but I'll just say amazing goal, Richarlison. Uh, Brazil look all right. Portugal look all right when they – it was an amazing game, actually, portugal Ghana. Um, Uruguay, whoever they played – can't remember now. No good. South Korea. Very forgettable. Korea. Eminently forgettable game, and Ben Smith watched all of it. <laughs> oh, good on you, Ben. I look, I don't know what time zone you're in Western Australia. It was, it was Uruguay, South Korea was 9 p.m., so it was actually a pretty good time for uh, for FIPA watching hours. So you get uh, 6 p.m., 9 p.m., and midnight's over there. Ah, oh, yep. W. And, and 3 a.m. No. Uh, yeah. Um, as I was saying earlier, I've been up at since five this morning, uh, working on World Cup wraps for on the uh, westaustralian.com, cheap plug, hashtag. Good plug. Good plug. Um, and uh, 
Yeah, do we want to talk about Uruguay, South Korea? There's not too much to. We, yeah, we, well, we, I we think want to talk, we want to talk about Brazil, Serbia, and then the Socceroos, so I can go to bed. Yes. Okay, let's um, do that first because Joe Stoll came on and said that he was tired. Joey looks might like fall asleep with a camera, like Jim Halpert on the office. <laughs> hey, by the way, Lockie's here as well. I don't know. Oh god, I have to like scroll that. down to get him in the stream. There we go. Finally, this is like a serious, Brady brunch. <laughs> serious Brady hey, brunch areas here. Wait, Congratulations, wait, wait, wait. Lockie. A-League's oh, newest signing. The marquee man. The rumours were Cristiano, but we went one better. Uh, he, he was too busy destroying Ghana last night and getting out of the match. So, <laughs> well, I was just, I'm just saying whatever's going to be trigger for cool. When you get eggs thrown in your house, you know who did it. Just know that you know who did it. I hope you know which one of the apartments in my complex to throw eggs at. That's the best. Oh, look, I, I I do. And I know that window's open. Watch me have That's true. Pakua has been in the walls of the house. She's, she's, she's a threat. I did, Any, I anything further question. from... Sorry, Joe. I had a question for Lockie. How did Scotland go in the World Cup? I missed their game. Oh, yeah, exactly. Ha, ha, ha. Very funny. They had a good, good nil draw with uh, Italy. This guy here. talks so much crap about Scotland, a team that they could not beat on the way to a final that they crashed. The two teams that Joey makes the most fun about are the two teams his side could not beat at the last major tournament. So, you know, yeah. Disregard this man. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> uh, Pakua, I know you have to well, get going, um, so I, I'm going to give you one last chance. Don't. Any further Ghana uh, national team thoughts before we let you go? No, no, no thoughts, Josh. Just vibes because that's what the Ghana national team is doing. But you know what? I do want to say I do really love the fact, like, for the Ghana fans in Qatar, there is a lot of Ghana fans who are there because they work and like are doing a lot of things to get better things for their family. So I think it's really, mm. and I know you're making a face show, but for a lot of Ghanaians, it's really hard to get into the Western countries. No, so I'm trying to, I'm trying to stay awake. I'm not making a face. I'm trying to no, move my eyeballs. I am, it feels, well, I love the atmosphere at the stadiums and I love the fact that for those people who are so far away from their families, they're able to enjoy Ghana playing um, at this tournament and hopefully getting out of the group stage. So I'm really, really excited to see the fan atmosphere for the last few games we play. Just on that, there's actually a great Twitter thread from James Montague who writes about human rights and football and stuff. Um, and he, he was at the workers' fan zone in like one of the industrial zones is like a cricket stadium or something that they're building and they had the fan zone set up there and there were like loads and loads of, as you say, Pakua, um, Ghanaian uh, migrant workers there watching their team. And there's a whole lot of people there just to support Ronaldo apparently because he's, he's, he's his own fan club. It's it's amazing, then. Those, those people need help. If you're still a Ronaldo stand in the year of our Lord 2022, yeah, get help. Hold on. He actually is the only player in this tournament who doesn't have a club currently. He is literally Ronaldo FC now. Like, this is the perfect kind of ending for him. He is just an own individual unit. That's what he's always wanted. Team, teammates holding back. Someone, do you reckon Ronaldo. someone will pitch that to him? Like, there will be some tycoon he'll be like all right well we can't find a club for you that works yeah let's make your own club 50 50 partnership yeah entity just make yourself a brand like honestly um but congrats to him uh scoring in a fifth world cup yeah, that is ronaldo, ronaldo looked at lucas neal in the lead up to the 2014 world cup and went that's the kind of life i want <laughs> Uh, a lot, a lot of similarities between those two. Uh, just uh, no, not really. Well, um, Pakua, 
Farewell. Thanks for success. Best of oh, luck for the rest you. of the tournament. We're rooting for Ghana. Um, and no, uh, yeah. And just remember, <laughs> when we make it out of the group, you'll be the first person I tweet at. Hey. <laughs> Shout out uh, Dubzone. Pakua on Dubzone. Shout out Dubzone. And the um, look, the, I think Pakua's making a list like um, uh, like oh, no, Arya from Game of Thrones. You got a you got list of names, list of Twitter ben, handles. Ben you sit there and, reciting uh, the Twitter handles every night before bed. Ben Smith and uh, Athos Syrianos, they are they are high on that list. Very good. <laughs> okay, bye Pakua. Uh, thanks for success. Let's I move on. Just lock my door quickly. I'm worried oh, Pakua's going to. Yeah, that's where she, she's yeah. got off screen to like I've, murder I've me. If you feel any better, I have to now set up my egg defenses after the show. <laughs> I need like a counter strike. I don't know. What's it like an anti egg missile or something? Brazil 2, Serbia 0. Uh, the headlines stolen by Richarlison here. Um, the only Brazilian player to publicly support Lula in the elections, I might add. Um, but uh, he came out on top. Uh, scoring, firstly, a tap-in, but the second one, my God, stole. <laughs> Is that the best goal of the tournament so far? Yeah, easily, easily. And, uh, you know, as someone who was uh, producing uh, TV coverage and was desperately looking for highlights to fill a long pre uh, post-show, thank you, Richarlison. Obrigado. Um, yeah, what an amazing goal. Uh, you know, and a guy who probably of all you know, Brazil's forwards probably was considered the weakest, I think, coming into this. There's obviously a lot of talk about uh, Neymar and Vinicius and even kind of Rodrigo and Martinelli. So uh, an amazing goal for him, an amazing goal for Brazil. Uh, there is some concerns over Neymar's injury, um, which, uh, you know, obviously would be a massive blow for them. Uh, Neymar didn't have the best game, but still, you know, and obviously they have amazing depth. And, you know, if ever you were going to look to a bench to replace him, but still that would be... You know, pretty sad uh, moment for them. Um, but look, Brazil... I do have the current word from the Brazilian doctor on Neymar. Um, <laughs> right. Do you speak Portuguese? Um, I'm in an I'm in an ESPN FC chat that's been put in there, um, and this is an ESPN production. So what do you know? Um, so he suffered a trauma. That just might be a translation thing. A trauma to his ankle. Uh, they need to wait 24 to 48 hours before they can properly assess it because they have to let the swelling go down. Thinking is that it's a sprained ankle. Wow. See, Joey, when you said he suffered a trauma, I assumed like he and Ben, uh, sorry, like Ben and I, he watched us after Uruguay. Like, yeah, fair enough, fair enough. <laughs> no, he, 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 uh, he, he, he took the Brazilian election pretty hard. <laughs> I'm just going to let that one lie for a second. Joey, you were at this game. What was the atmosphere like? Yes, at the great golden palace that is the LaSalle Stadium uh, in northern Doha, a gigantic gleaming edifice representative of everything in this World Cup, the billions spent and the like, and all, but we'll get into that in it. Apologies. Who was... <laughs> Oh, I swear to God. Joey's going to be like Roy Keane in that press conference. Why is Nick Dubano calling you? That's all. It's a saboteur. Somebody mute mute Lockie, please. Otherwise, I'm going to kick him. Um, And I'm going to let you decide how I'm going to kick him. Um, Lockie is an official representative of the league now. We must show him respect. 
Lockie will remember that. <laughs> I feel like that makes me obligated to kick him even harder. Um, okay, this game, it was an interesting watch. The first half, I actually thought Serbia were playing all right. They never looked like scoring in that first 45 minutes, but at the same time, I never really got the vibe that Brazil were going to score in that first half either. Like, they weren't really... They had two break-in, breakaway one-on-ones on goal, which resulted from Serbian defensive errors. But other than that, they I didn't feel like they were creating high-quality looks on goal. But then the second half started, and I don't know what was said in the dressing rooms at halftime, what changes were made, but... Brazil really began to assert themselves as the second half commenced. Richarlison gets his first. Brazil become even more rampant as the Serbians are forced to sort of open up and poke their heads out from their shells and maybe look to get something. Richarlison then gets another and the rest is history. It was just really in that second half, just being at the stadium and watching the Brazilians on the ball, you could just feel the confidence oozing off them, the way that they always wanted the ball, they always wanted to control it, they always wanted to run at a man, dribble with it, and you know, just try to make something happen. It was everything say, A-League. It was everything A-League midfields weren't. Well, that, yeah? that confidence is not... The stadium exclusive. Uh, the Brazilians at my local Fiverr side have the exact same confidence. Not the same technique, not the same ability, but the same confidence. It's just a Brazilian thing, maybe. It's but it, it really. Thing. By the end of the game, it really was a joy to watch. Just them on the ball, faffing around. <laughs> oh, what a comment from our Liga. Joey is looking that tired. He's resembling Prince Philip in that car. That is. The old time. It's an old timer. No, but um, so Brazil, I think, especially with Argentina's loss to Saudi Arabia, Brazil are now the favourites for this tournament in uh, my mind. Spain will have to see them play a team better than Costa Rica. England will find a lot more out about them when they play what is reported to be an unchanged 11 against the United States. Uh, but for now, I'm saying Brazil look like they're the far. And of course, France as well. Maybe we'll have to see what France look like when they're not playing Australia. Um, but for now, more to come uh, at the World Cup. Yeah. I yeah, mean, is Brazil, Brazil the, is Brazil the presumptive favourite? Is Spain the presumptive favourite now after their performance you can, against you Costa can't, Rica? You, can, you can't call Spain the presumptive favourites until they play somebody not as dog shit as Costa Rica was I mean, that yeah. night. Josh, I remember your diatribe about. Costa Rica, like the fact that Joel yeah. Campbell's still in the squad. You, you can't give them too much credit, I don't think, for that one. That, that's true, but I I thought Brazil were terrible in the first half. Maybe, I, look, I, they, I they, they were skinny. Really ordinary. I, I, there was a I line of four, as... a line of two, and another line of four all the way out the pitch, and they just had no fluidity at all. I'd describe them as skittish. I wouldn't describe them as terrible. It looked like they were still sense of occasion, maybe got through them in the same way that it has a few of the other big nations early on in this tournament. But um, Look, again, I still think they weren't terrible. Again, it's cultural. Brazilians always show up late. 
all right? You ever have a party, <laughs> Brazilians? They take a little while. They're, hey, tranquilo, você. It's all good. Relax. I'll be there soon. Da, da, da. Five minutes, ten minutes. Second half, okay, boom, boom, boom. And then, you know, having a little party with the Richarlison goal. So it's all good. Brazil are just warming up. Do you want to know another thing that might be cultural about Brazilians? Assigned seating means nothing. As <laughs> sitting in the... Uh, Sitting in the um, media tribune in the overflow seating, I look up, still waiting for a whole bunch of journos to rock up. They haven't rocked up. There's about 45 minutes to kick off. I look down at my laptop, keep riding, close my laptop, look up again, and about 100 Brazilians <laughs> who have just seen these empty seats closer to the stadium have just massed my greatest. Yes. And yes. then over the course of the next 45 minutes, these journos will start rocking up and looking very awkward. Looking at their seat, looking at their ticket, back to the seat, back to the, uh, uh, my seat, and all of that sort of stuff. So maybe, maybe that's another Brazilian cultural thing. Yeah, that, look, that's how you put five stars on your shirt. All right, by not get, not not when someone tells you where to sit, you are, I don't care about that. I'm it's the difference between mentality. it's the difference between five stars and three lines. Yeah, so, <laughs> quick in the dead. <laughs> Rather than the stiff upper lip, it's supposed to be my spot. Uh, but you know, they, they oh can... god, I'm I'm so embarrassed now because when I got to Cameroon, Switzerland, there was somebody sitting in my seat at a desk, and instead of saying anything, I just went and found another seat. <laughs> Look, hey, True can we just say, Joey, that is much better than uh, you know English people's history of. Uh, going to where they should <laughs> so look i think it's a massive improvement well done oh dear um anyone else want to chime in on on brazil and what they saw there were some crazy long shots against the woodwork i i love that martin tyler just said roberto carlos when alexandro <laughs> shot from range he just he just went with roberto carlos because that's just instantly evocative um I, or is usually... that because he thought roberto carlos was actually playing in this game <laughs> i i no, i think he, there was a there was a uh disclaimer beforehand is like you know uh channeling roberto carlos or something but that was really quiet and then the the name was really loud so it sounded like alexander like roberto carlos had just come out of retirement uh which was, was fantastic <laughs> he was I... in the stands actually and by the way yeah. fun fact, roberto carlos uh 11 children to seven different women so imagine you want to you, you want to know another fun fact about roberto carlos still One south melbourne south. manager yeah, one time South Melbourne coach in waiting. <laughs> if only, if only, Do how we were robbed by the expansion process. The phone to ring from the South Melbourne higher up just just checks it. No, nope, still hasn't gone off. Hey, no, nope, still nothing from Lakeside. Okay. He's just waiting I mean, for that text. The, the NSD is coming. We need you. He, he is plane. glued. He is glued to your ESPN reporting. Every interview with James Johnson, <laughs> Roberto Carlos is like, "Is it happening?" When's the date? When's the start date? 2023? 2024? What's going on here? Um, but I'm surprised he hasn't got a text saying, uh, you have a son who was born in Melbourne approximately uh, <laughs> nine months after you visited. And he's now playing futsal with Nick Stoll and turning up half an hour late. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I, I loved all the Arsenal fans on Twitter saying, how is Gabby Jesus not starting? What is this manager on? Uh, Lockie, uh, Arsenal Twitter in mud? Oh, Matt, yeah. I mean, when have they not been in mud, to be perfectly honest <laughs> with you? Um, some of the stuff I've seen, honestly. Uh, 
I'm worried Pakil will come back now and somehow manage to throw eggs through the webcam. But um, <laughs> I look, I love Richarlison for reasons I can't explain. It, it's it's very much like a vibes based analysis, but it's just like no one expects Richarlison, you know? Like there's so many other interesting things happening in this Brazil attack. No one's expecting He's not the bloody He's not the bloody Spanish Inquisition. <laughs> did you see? Did you see what he said about what he wanted to do uh, post his career, his retirement? No. He said, "I want to go to an island with a bunch of women, like Ronaldinho in that famous picture." <laughs> maybe he'll end up with uh, eleven children across seven different people. Yeah. <laughs> but the best thing about it was he just openly said it, like. You know, it's not like, oh, you know, I don't see myself as a coach or he didn't frame it anything like that. Just here's what I want to do. Let's make it happen. So, and you know what? He's a step closer after scoring that goal. Let's be honest. Yeah, I'm just I'm just glad we haven't heard uh, Neymar's, you know, truly deepest hell desires. Otherwise, that would be a bit problematic. But um, let's talk about... Uh, you just need to... Uh... On Neymar. So Neymar said pre-tournament when the election was in Brazil that he was going to dedicate his first goal to Bolsonaro. Looks like Neymar might have cursed himself and might be getting the big donuts if the injury <laughs> is correct. Yeah, I'm... I'm uh, look, <laughs> Fakua's back. Oh, no. Lucky. <laughs> I said this Lucky. Happen. You see, you're not an Arsenal fan. You. You're not allowed to talk about Arsenal players, yeah? Understand it and know it. Okay, leave Gabriel Jesus alone. I don't know what your hate is for us. I didn't say. Hey, I never said anything no. about no, no, about no. Gabby Jesus. You I love him. Arsenal I love him, but I just think Arsenal Twitter, Twitter is brainless. Lucky, That's... we don't want to hear from you. You're a traitor. You're a Judas. We don't want to hear from you. Okay, we don't want to hear talking about us. Can I say something? Well, I have a question actually for Kua. How does it feel for Arsenal's golden boy to be put in the mud by Spurs' golden boy? Spurs golden boy. If that's their golden boy, that's why they've won nothing. Mate, so have I don't you seen care. him play for Spurs? Come on, come on, Joey. He, he's nothing. not doing that for Spurs. He's not doing that for Spurs in a million years. If I hear you talk about Arsenal again, I'm coming back. Okay, leave us out of your mouth. We don't want to hear from you. We don't know you. You're a traitor. Get away from us. Sorry. Keep your club's name. <laughs> I didn't, didn't realise Mikuel became the arbiter of online discourse just going to appear a different podcast going you can't say that. Yeah, you can't I, actually i can't imagine how many podcasts would be immeasurably improved by that <laughs> i'm going to listen to the I bill see. simmons podcast later and he's going to butcher the spell it the pronunciation of when yama and the going get us going to come in and go you can't say that how dare you bill simmons that's, that's right Here, here's the interrupting and the rewatchables because he's going to be talking about how, like, how Chris Paul should have been a soccer player. Because he's going to pop up. He would have been a sensational midfielder. Okay, sensational attack. Oh, really? Like, wow. It feels like Richarlison's having a moment right now. <laughs> hey, you know what? I did actually um, watch Cameroon today and think to myself, I wonder if they could get Joel Embiid in this lineup. <laughs> Well, one of their one of their fullbacks looked like LeBron James. Yes. yes. Did you see the lookalike? Yeah. Hey, LeBron even tweeted at tweeted said I have to do other things on my five day my five game break. So. Well, you know what? Actually, I think we should have we should have just committed to this bit and told America. Actually, we finally did it. You always wondered what it'd be like if LeBron ever played <laughs> soccer, and, and uh, he lost one nil to Switzerland. Yeah, that's exactly <laughs> what would happen. Okay. Well, I've got to go. I've got stuff to do. I've got prep. But um, Lockie, <laughs> if I see you, hear from you again, I'll be back. 
Don't worry about that. Uh, I'm sure we'll <laughs> say your name three times later on in the show and summon you again, Bakura. Absolutely. I could bet on it. But uh, see ya. Thanks and success. Uh, let's talk let's, about... let's do Socceroos and then let me go to bed. Okay, Joey, right. let's what, do. What's, what's local time there? It's like two thirty, uh, isn't it? Uh, let me check. Okay, oh. he's gone. <laughs> <laughs> Goodbye, Joey. The event of a Sopranos ending. It's such it. <laughs> it's, it's, a black. It's it's two thirteen. It, it's two thirteen in the morning, and I've been up since five fifteen. All right. Well, give us your five fifteen p.m. You're crazy. Five fifteen a.m. style. We had to play the. Uh, I had to get some work done, and then we played the media versus football Australia game. Oh, give us who's the best player in the media pack. Chad Gibson. Yeah, doesn't count. Oh, of course. No, not 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 X Pro. Not X Pro. No. Uh, me. <laughs> who's who's the worst? <laughs> who had a stinker? Let's, let's not say, say who the worst player. Let's, let's say, say who had a stinker. I don't, I don't, let's say I don't he's not a doctor, but he is a billionaire. <laughs> <laughs> Money can't buy you footballing talent. <laughs> Oh dear! I I, no, I I I was hearing that uh, a certain uh, APL uh, big wig, Mister Mister Sitter. Yeah, from about two jokes. yards out. <laughs> no, Mister Tom Smith, he's missed a uh, wide open shot from only a few yards out. I think for uh, that would have put us ahead at the time. Uh, instead, real turning point, we went on along and lost four two. Uh, Adrian I truly got himself sent off for handling the ball outside the box. <laughs> so all those goalkeeper jibes were, uh, you know, just projection stuff. <laughs> oh, look, look, one, all I'll say is I'm not surprised in the least that Adrian made, managed to get himself sent off in a friendly match. <laughs> it Joey, was, uh, so, I was just sorry. holding on for dear life trying to play centre-back. Mm. You know, my lungs were twenty percent. Guy rolls and Harry Sutar the other night. Then, (laughs) (laughs) quite. My lungs were at forty percent capacity, so I was just trying to figure out where the ball was going, so I could just (laughs) walk over there before anything actually happened. Well, it sounds like from that performance, you're in line for a start against Tunisia, Joey. Uh, Who else do you think is going to come into this Socceroos team? I think we're going to see a few changes. Um, Arnold's was uh, in. Some embargoed quotes. Uh, Arnold sort of felt evasive about it, so I'm not going to go into any more detail because they're embargoed. But I feel like we'll at least get two changes. Say what it rhymes with, and we'll guess. No, he didn't tell us who the changes would be. Um, This is me guessing. Um, I think Bayich is likely safe. One, because they've put him up for the match day minus one press conference tomorrow, which is generally a good indicator um, that someone's starting. I think we might, we'll see at least one change at centre-back. And I feel like I feel like he's going to go right down to the wire on changing right back. Normally, if we were playing the Danes, I think he would change right backs, go to Frank Karacic. The fact that we'll be playing against the Tunisians, where Australia will likely be more ball dominant and more uh, the more phases of possession will be played in Tunisia's half, maybe is going to be the saving grace of Nathaniel Atkinson, given that he's the more attack-minded 
um, right back in that in that collection. I'm going to be very interesting to see what happens in the midfield. Um, Aiden Frustic didn't play uh, against France, obviously, but one would think he'd be capable of coming back. So if you slot him in as the 10, that leaves... I imagine Jackson Irvine stays as the 8. But it, I th- I'm going to be very interesting to see what um, happens with the 6 position. Because I'm not sure... Did anybody else actually watch Tunisia Denmark? I did. I did. Yeah. Yeah. That bald bloke with the beard who played in the middle, what's his name again? The Destroyer? Oh, no. Shakiri's one with a mask, isn't he? Yeah, the other one. Yeah, that guy. I'm, I'm anyway, broke, yeah, mate. No, I'm like, he's going to basically mate. turn... He's going to turn the midfield into a war zone. Just like he's going to be throwing himself away. Like you, like about a few minutes uh, into La, that Lai game. Duni? Yeah, yeah, Lai Duni. Um, he scored for them, right? He had that well, yeah. No, that was the number nine. They just look very alike. Um, but like about 10 minutes into the game, less than 10 minutes, he put in a crunching slide tackle on Christian Eriksen and he celebrated like he just won the World Cup. Like he's going to throw Stop himself around. Yeah, pretty much. He's going to throw himself around. He's going to turn the entire midfield into a battle zone. And I'm not sure if Aaron Moy with, his widely acknowledged physical limitations at this point is the person that you want to be getting involved in that sort of battle with him. It, so that could open the door for a Cameron Devlin or... Oh, a imagine Cammy Devlin riling Lyadouni up. He's, someone's going to get a red card. I know, it'd be fantastic. But it also could work for the Socceroos in that front. Um, I think Goodwin and Lackey stay. I mean, they combine for the goal. Um, one of the few positives you can take from that front game. And then it'll be very interesting to see who plays up front. Does he go back to the battering ram that is Mitch Duke, thinking um, that, you know, they're going to have lots of the ball. Inevitably, when the Socceroos have lots of the ball against an embedded defence, that means lots of crosses. Um, Mitch Duke can get his head on it. Or does he go with a more incorporative uh, Jason Cummings? Or does he go with a poacher in Jamie McLaren? I don't know if I could predict Graham Arnold's moves at this point. I wouldn't be working in football journalism. I'd have a much higher paid job somewhere in analytics. But those are the or, questions. You know, you'd be asked. working at a uh, like a carnival as a fortune teller. <laughs> yeah, that would be the world's shittest carnival attraction. Come <laughs> hear what Graham Arnold is going to select in his uh, next starting eleven. He is expecting. He's expecting. <laughs> hey, any uh, any chance of a back three, or that's just that was just a rumor. That's not an actual plan. Da, da, da. I'm not ruling anything out at this point, but I would be incredibly surprised if they went to a back three purely because, again, it doesn't really suit the dynamics of the game that they're going to be playing. Ostensibly, Tunisia, yeah, Tunisia are going to switch it up. Tunisia are almost certainly going to play a four-three-three rather than the five at the back that they played against the Danes. They'll be a bit more attacking, but you don't need... If you're not playing a back five for extra defensive cover against um, Olivier Giroud and Kylian Mbappe, you're not playing it against Tunisia. Hey, Joey, just quickly, was um, did Graham Arnold hint at how much added mongrel there would be uh, in the second game? Uh, obviously, there's a severe lack of it uh, against Mbappe, as Peter Fitzsimons uh, wisely pointed out. Um, Milos, Deg- Milos, 
Milos Degenek talked about how this wasn't going to be a game one based on technicality or tactics. It was going to be one based on heart, fighting, and who wanted it more. It's, it's crazy how how little of football is actually based on football. It really blows your mind. Well, it's funny because um, I was watching Spain, uh, Costa Rica, and Pedri just wanted this so much that he was, you know, it's incredible. You know, it's weird how he demonstrated it, uh, but he just wanted it to a degree that uh, the Costa Ricans obviously did. Like, this is one of those things where, like, there's a grain of truth in it, in it, in the sense that the Socceroos are absolutely going to have to come ready to, to, to do war because the Tunisians are absolutely going to turn it into one. I mean, there's also going to be that stadium holds, what, about 41, 42,000? I imagine 38 of them will be wearing red and cheering on Tunisia. Like, this is going to be a coliseum baying for green and gold blood. So they, they do need a decent mindset. But, yeah, obviously it grates when it's the only consideration you sort of hear about. Not that it actually is. I'm, I'm I just certain think, that I just think Graham Arnold needs to yell sheepdog and, and, and let slip the, <laughs> I, let slip I mean, the sheepdogs of war. Yeah, to, to be fair, I think if they are bleeding green and gold, I think Graham Arnold will actually be quite happy. Be like, I'm looking at the blood. I knew it. I knew it. Aussie DNA right you, there. I, 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 use, I use one piece of symbolism and then like, oh, never mind. <laughs> Joey, uh, you're increasingly resembling a deceased member of the royal family, so I'm going to let you go and let you sleep. Yeah, does anybody have any questions before I go? No. Uh, Will you actually get some sleep, or are you going to attend like three games in the same city tomorrow? I'm going to sleep in, then I'm going to the match day minus one press conferences, and then I'm jumping on a bus for the 10 p.m. kickoff of England versus the United States. America. I, I, I mean, the Jesus, one and only time. To, it's hard to pick a team there. Like, talk about two nations that you're just like, ugh. You know? Can both teams just not lose? That's I'm, I'm going to be opening wide for some soccer. I don't know about you guys. <laughs> Good night, Joey. Right. Thanks for success. Sleep well. All right. Let's talk... Uh, Actually, I've got a couple of good good stats for you guys um, Ooh, on Brazil. Yeah. I've got some. I've got some. You know, I work for Stats Perform. I do occasionally yep. have a statistical insight here and there. Yep. Um, Richarlison has scored more goals in all competitions for Brazil than any other player since he debuted in uh, in twenty eighteen. So, wow, he's got a decent return, and he's got yeah. nine goals in his last seven appearances. Teacher really likes him, and I don't know if and like, you can see why he's, he he delivers. Yeah. Yeah. But this uh, is what I was saying before. No one thinks of Richarlison. He's just not at front of mind. Everyone's like, crap, we got to focus on Neymar. Like, it's because he's played be for Everton and Tottenham. <laughs> Two, with all the respect, loser teams. Like, <laughs> do, you reckon the Brazilian, hey, they, do you reckon the Brazilian na- version of a national curriculum are talking about like the, the Brazilian media's love of uh, Richarlison and just saying it's based purely on NRI? <laughs> You know, that I reckon there's a Brazilian version of uh, TNC that is far later than we are, and it goes far longer. <laughs> it go, it starts at like midnight and goes till four in the morning. Um, uh, Vinicius Junior was involved in fifty percent of uh, Brazil's shot creating actions, which is a pretty impressive. Yeah, he's, he's an unbelievable player. Like, 
I don't know. When I watch Real Madrid, he's the player that I'm most scared of. Um, he's just a phenomenal, phenomenal talent. And like, I mean, if with Neymar out, I mean, and if Brazil goes on a run, he could win Player of the Tournament. Like he's my smoky for Golden Ball. Yeah, or, and right. or Golden Boot. Like, I think if he did either of those, I wouldn't be surprised. He's a really good player. And I'll say if they replace um, Neymar with Rodrigo, who he has a very good uh, relationship with at Real Madrid, I think that could help. I think actually one of the things that's underrated about Spain having a good uh, game against Costa Rica is the fact that they're, I think, the only nation in the whole tournament whose midfield is from a club. Like, Gavi, Pedri, and Busquets play with each other every week, right? So that familiarity, especially when there was no lead-in time uh, for these teams to prepare and get familiar with, I can't think of any other nation that could just put a midfield three or four or whatever kind of combination it is with the club side, and that I think will be a big advantage. So any time that you can kind of get those relationships up like Rodrigo uh, and Vinicius, I think that's going to really benefit nations. Brazil always win their opening game. They are unbeaten in their last 20 opening games at World Cups. They haven't lost the opening game since 1934. Uh, 117, drawn three. So they all they usually start well, Brazil. Uh, not a team that builds into a tournament. And poor Serbia have lost eight of their 10 World Cup matches, which is the highest loss percentage of any side to have played that many games at a World Cup. So uh, RIP Damir Kulash, who didn't front up for today's show in mysterious circumstances. Um, I, look, I think Serbia was okay. They didn't have their primary route to goal, which is Kostic crossing for the big forwards. So, um, yeah. And look, they... They were pretty conservative, but you know when Brazil's in the in a mood, it's it's hard to compete. Um, shall we go to Switzerland one, Cameroon nil? Uh, Lockie, I'll start with you on this game. Yeah, I mean, uh, it was a, it was an entertaining game. Like I don't know about you guys, but I, I really really enjoyed this, which kind of felt like it flied in the face of a lot of the pre-match sort of expectations and anticipation of this game. Like the crowd wasn't good; everyone was like, ah. Oh, you know, Cameroon, Switzerland, the 9pm kickoff, who's all that interested? But I thought particularly that the first 45 was um, was pretty pulsating. Um, Cameroon were, like, I don't know about you guys, but, like, really quite entertaining. Um, Zambo Anguissa in the midfield was just, you know, doing plenty, shuttling nicely. And then I didn't really know how that front three, um, you know, fitting a, a bunch of different kind of players who are maybe a bit samesy into the same attack would work, but it was pretty good. It was pretty good. I don't know. Uh, I, I, uh, I thought Cameroon were a bit unlucky not to, not to come away from this game with something. Switzerland kind of, I guess Switzerland in the end, I felt. They're not a team that really transmits much. I've, I've always found Switzerland quite uninspiring. You know, oh, and also Josh, the the, the I mean, we'll, we'll talk about the goal in a second. But that your life flashed before your eyes when Harris Seferovich broke through on goal. I was like, if he scores this, Josh Parrish is six foot deep in mud. But because he's Harris Seferovich, we know he never scores a goal. So of course he fluffed the chance. 
He's only scored two goals this season, and they were both in a cup game against lower-tier opposition in Turkey. So um, not exactly coming into the World Cup on a hot streak. Instead, it was Briel Imbolo, who started up front for Switzerland, uh, Cameroonian-born, um, and uh, his father still lives there, apparently, and he scored the winner, which is you know amazing uh, moment. Uh, and I, I love these kind of like global stories in football where there's these like crossovers and, you know, you think of the 2010 World Cup when uh, Ghana uh, played against Germany and there were two brothers on opposing sides and things. And there's a lot of those moments with these, with these types of teams. Um, certainly one of those moments when uh, Serbia played Switzerland last time around in a, in a quite different light. But um, Cameroon, I thought, faded badly in the second half didn't think the substitutes worked out very well even though um vincent uh abubakar thinks he's better than mo salah and has said so publicly on multiple occasions and said if i play for a big club i'd score more goals than salah does uh came off the bench didn't do anything um and they looked a lot better when they still had uh toko akambi and chupa moteng who are these sort of really hard working pressing forwards on the pitch and what about imbomo like this guy is so fast, so silky. He he can he can do something for Cameroon in this tournament. I don't think they're going to get through the group, but I think they uh, they might ruin uh, Serbia's chances of qualifying. I really liked it, Cambi as well on the left. Yeah, he was uh, he was fun. I'm at um, that tackle with, from uh, I think it was Draga to deny him uh, what would have been a tap in at one. That was a huge sliding doors moment. Um, I yeah, I thought Cameroon were. Um, like you said, Josh, they really faded. Um, looked really good going forward, uh, especially like especially on the wings. Um, um, yeah, like the, the move to replace Chupa Moting was... You could see he looked filthy coming off, which is always uh, good fun when he just... Like he didn't have a tantrum, but you could see on his face he did not want to come off. What about Rigobert Song being the coach? It's just so much fun. Like, Love it. Vibes. He's Love got it. so much drip on the sideline. Someone um, said he looked like someone said Snoop Dogg was coaching Cameroon and Snoop Dogg retweeted it. Uh, I'll just say, um, I mean, I was mainly cooking uh, throughout this game, but uh, great dinner, by the way. Three courses, absolutely smashed it. Um, but I know we saw the Instagram stories still. Uh, uh, <laughs> what did I, oh, yeah, what I want to say? Uh, Andre Anana. Um, Sweeper keeper. Uh, I think he just did like 55 passes. At some stages, he was higher than his centre-backs. So, you know, it didn't result in any goals. But I like it when anyone basically plays as a futsal goalkeeper uh, in 11 aside. So, good luck Stoll's favourite A-League men's keeper is Liam Reddy. (laughs) Yeah. Tell me that wasn't one of the great moments. Oh, that was incredible! I was I was in the stadium when Liam Reddy decided to take on half the Melbourne City team um, in the ninety fifth minute. It was, uh, I think, most Glory fans started laughing. It was just that. <laughs> I, I, my favourite Liam Reddy moment was the penalty that he took against Adelaide in the shootout, where he just absolutely roofed it. He took it like a because I think he's old man was a rugby player or something and he took it like yeah. a rugby kick he just got yeah. right underneath it terrible technique foot straight Hopkins. through the ball and it just absolutely it's the best penalty of all time like it's completely unsavable um absolutely rocketed into the roof of the net uh, it was also on the stadium for that and that 
penalty shootout was just madness because I think Reddy saved like four penalties or something. He was insane. Like that only is the national pa- curriculum could make several <laughs> minutes of what is supposed to be a match discussion of Cameroon Switzerland into. <laughs> Gee, what a penalty from Liam Reddy that was. <laughs> uh, and that was that was the game where Marco Kurz got pissed off at the cameraman and nearly attacked him because he was getting too close during the huddle. Uh, yeah, wow, what a game. Um, any any further observations on this game? I just I just want to raise uh, two things. First of all, how, where does where does Granite Jacker rank in terms of like? the great redemption arc stories of, of football. Because, like, he wasn't necessarily a standout player in this game. He did the kind of things that he needed to do. But the line-breaking pass that he played uh, in the lead-up to, to Cameroon's goal, and I know they were a bit shaky defensively, particularly in that second-half Cameroon, but the, the the midfield, like, splitting ball that he played to, um, to Shakiri, who eventually, I think, got the, um, got the assist was so good. Like, it was an amazing pass. And you think, like, three years ago, three, four years ago, this was a guy who was being hounded out of his own club and in many people's eyes rightfully because he tried to start his own fans. But now he's one of the key, like, the key players in this Arsenal push that are making and he's producing moments that, to be honest, uh, I didn't think he had in his locker. It goes... Granite Jacker, Steve from St- from Stranger Things, just a bit. He's just below Steve Harrington, I think. <laughs> I mean, the redemption arc is is remarkable, but I still don't trust him. I just, I still, I still don't. I haven't forgiven him. I still don't trust him. I still think he's going to get sent off in a really big game. It's going to cost Arsenal a trophy or something. Yeah, uh, but... is he is he still like a, a sort of luxury player? Like he he mm. works when everything else around him is working, perhaps. I think so. Uh, um, I would oh. say uh, I have no thoughts on Granite Jacker, but the best redemption story in football history has to be Ronaldo Phenomeno, two thousand and two, the World Cup. Da, da, da. I, I'm trying to. I was just trying to think in my head. What Recovering is, from that haircut, mainly. <laughs> what is what is the best redemption story in football? I think it's Ronaldo Phenomeno. I'm trying to think if there's another one. Has anyone won the like a Ballon d'Or from kind of being like in the mud? I want oh. to say Luka Modric just to trigger Ante wherever he is, <laughs> but I don't actually believe that. <laughs> yeah, he was never. He was never like he kind of had a steady rise. But you Ronaldo didn't like... really. Ronaldo was more of a comeback than a redemption. Like what happened? Like Ronaldo didn't really do anything bad. He just got kind of came back from injuries. No, redemption but... is surely like a well, because but know, also because he hero. Yeah, but he'd been seen as like you know he'd gone missing in that final. Uh, in '98 and all that. Kind yeah, of because stuff. aliens. Yeah, but he had like a, the night he had like seizures. <laughs> Man, look, I'm telling you, it's redemption. All right. Okay. <laughs> um. Yeah. So, do we see Switzerland getting very far in this in this tournament? No. Round round of sixteen. These guys, Mexico. You know, all these teams that are just classic round of 16. Thanks for coming. You know, once the first time you come up against the heavyweight, out. Like, to be fair, we would have said that about them at Euro 2020 and they went really deep and beat France in Switzerland. Way. Yeah. Yeah, but they just kind of, they just rolled a France side that was in They plotted their way through to a deep run. Yeah, you, nah. know, you are right, stuff. Switzerland. Senegal, no, not Senegal, sorry. Switzerland, Sweden, 
Mexico, uh, you know, who, who else is a classic round of 16? Japan. Japan's a classic round of 16 team. Like, They'd be doing pretty well to get there this year, but they're in a good start. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, we, we didn't do a podcast about the Japan-Germany um, game, I don't think. Um, uh, like, man, what, I'm so what tired. I do wanna... like, yeah. Other, other podcasts <laughs> what I... are available. <laughs> <laughs> what I do want to say about Switzerland I... is still very reliant on Zerd and Shakiri. Um, who mm. still looks like he could bench press a house. Um, that man is ripped. Um, but, yeah, but also yeah, he was, He's like Yeah, it's like... Weird. It's like if the Incredible Hulk was five foot tall. Yeah. <laughs> I think I've played against a few of those guys in indoor soccer back in the day. Like, you know like action indoor sports. You know how they have Baby Yoda? Baby Hulk would be right. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if that's a Disney show, but uh, Disney, there's a dollar idea. ESPN, uh, check, ESPN checks in the Disney mail. synergy is going well. Yeah. <laughs> there's the, the, the spin-off to She-Hulk that nobody wanted. All right. We've seen all of the teams in this World Cup now. Yeah. Um, I, we Do we have to talk about this... Uh, this nil all draw with Uruguay. No, no, no. Can I just very quickly say it's not related to the game? Just a story to uh, communicate how bad this game is. Is it was. about Marco Kurz or Liam Reddy? No, no, no. It's strictly about the. So I went to watch the 9 pm kickoff and the 12 uh, with my mate who lives up the road. They're like, he's just finished his, his uni exams for the year. I was like, let's celebrate. Let's have a, you know. World Cup evening. I convinced him to stay up for the twelfth. It's like, oh, it's Uruguay, South Korea. How cool are Uruguay? They'll be, it'll be great. It'll be great. Anyway, um, so we're sitting there on yes, the, uh, and on the and I realized at about. Oh, hang on. Uh, so we're there on on the. I don't know where I cut off. So I re- at sixty minutes, I realize I'm not from the very right. start. <laughs> no, don't start. Just go where you will. Okay. Um, I realized very quick, like 60 minutes in, I'm, I'm flagging. I fell asleep with my friend and his girlfriend sitting next to me, sitting upright. I, I missed the last 20 minutes of the game. I just nodded off. And I wasn't trying to. I was just sitting there watching the game. Gone. That's, that's how bad this game was. Uruguay was so bad. They were so, so turgid. Um, I was really disappointed by them. Fede Valverde had a couple of nice moments, but um, I think if Uruguay are going to do anything, they... He needs to do more. He needs to do more because the dyna- that's that front three that they picked um, of Nunez and all that, it just didn't work. There needs to be more mobility in this side for them to actually do anything. I mean, how much of that, that sort of conservatism does it relate to them starting Diego Godin at the back? And, you know, Jimenez, who, you know, he's good on his day, but is, you're always waiting for the next injury to... Um, you know, set him back. Uh, it feels like they have to take a few less risks in order to protect those guys. You know what? It They're was... a little bit uh, the South American Belgium in that, mm. like, they've held on to their golden generation too long. Like, everyone talks about Belgium's golden generation. Uruguay, this kind of Suarez, Cavani, Godin, Jimenez uh, team. They've, they held on to a long time. They had their manager was the same coach uh, for a long time until uh, the last Copper America. So, yeah, I think probably this tournament is one tournament too many. And it might, in the same way for Belgium, I think humbling might be coming for them where, you know, it causes a, a kind of a big clear out 
Uh, and I think this will be the last tournament that we see Luis Suarez, that we see Edison Cavani, that we see Godin. I also like the South Korean backline just looking like um, Kanye's recent calls after a night out. Just <laughs> Kim, 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 uh, Kim. Amazing. Uh, yeah, it was good. It was, it was, did you see the Italian commentators just went, okay, here's the lineup, Kim, 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 and then he just got into the others. <laughs> No, I, I think in Korean names you're supposed to say the whole name. You're not actually supposed to refer to people like they don't really yeah. refer to people by their surnames like um, in the West. So Stole. it makes a little bit more sense. Irish Look, Flanagan. <laughs> well, I saw um I saw someone say like Australia is the king of casual racism. Let me tell you something. Southern Europe destroys us. All right, Southern <laughs> it is it is socially acceptable to call someone in Spain of any Asian descent Chino. Like, that's just into their face. Hey, Chino, come over here. So, you know, we have a lot of things to work on, but Southern Europe, oof. <laughs> they're, they're, they're so casual, they got their feet up on the desk while yeah, they're doing it. Uh, which match are we most looking forward to um, among the some... match day two games? Germany, Spain, 100%. Yeah. That's I mean, if that. Germany lose that, they could be out. Well, uh, yeah, they're gone. I think. I mean, yeah. uh, unless um, unless Japan don't get a result against Costa Rica. Well, what a disaster. Um, but yeah, Germany, Spain's going to be... Because it's also like we have to see this Spain, team, this Spain team against... If they produce another dominant performance against Germany, you know, they're not going to score seven or something. But if, you know, 1-0 or 2-0, then suddenly they, I think, kind of move up to the favourites uh, of this tournament. So... That to me uh, is great. Uh, looking forward to England USA. Hoping for a England loss. Um, Australia Tunisia obviously uh, will be amazing. Uh, I mean, sorry, it won't be amazing, but, but we'll be tense. Yes. Um, South South Korea Ghana, I think, it has sneaky good potential because you know I watched South Korea last night and they in moments they looked really good. Um, they kind of they. Defensively, they really frustrated Uruguay. Um, you know, Valverde and Bentoncourt in midfield did nothing. And then South Korea kind of looked good when they had ch- chances to go forward. Uh, Son looked like he, you know, Son looked pretty fresh, which was good. Um, he had a couple of really nice moments. Uh, but two Korean uh, midfielders as well, um, like when they had their kind of chances on the ball, I thought they were really good, really tidy and kind of controlled the game quite well um and yeah and Safari defended really well and you know they had some real quality when they went forward they couldn't make it tell on the score sheet but i think south korea and ghana uh might be a really fun game but mind you i said that about south korea and uruguay before and uh look where it got yeah it was yeah it was uruguay having a midfield of bentoncourt and uh, Valverde and sitting Bentoncourt way deeper than he normally is for Tottenham was football terrorism. Uh, it was just long was ball bad. over the top, yeah. long ball over the top. Like Valverde had one moment late where he hit the post where he just was like, I guess I'll do this all by myself sort of thing. Um, but that's what he, like, that's what he has yeah. to do more mm. of. Like the yeah. midfield is the star attraction of this side now. It's not the attack, because as we've talked about it, you know, it's, it's getting pretty washed up there. Um, but then it was know, like just long balls. To, it was long balls like Darwin Nunez, and he was like, he was trying 
oh boy he was trying um um uh, yeah it was effort is never the problem with darwin Nunez, though i was more impressed with i think south korea um than i was uruguay and i said before tournament uruguay would make the final so uh i put my all my eggs in the montevideo basket and uh my eggs are currently being uh, used by Pakua to egg Lockie's apartment, I think. <laughs> hey, um, I think we should wrap it up pretty soon because I will fall asleep in my chair like Lockie. I have to go to work time. as well and have breakfast. So, uh... <laughs> uh, we're, we're all going to be looking like Prince Philip by the end of the day. Uh, gentlemen, tremendous ticker. Thank you for joining me on today's episode of uh, TNC's World Cup Almost Daily. Uh, Nick Stoll, Ben Smith, Lockie Flanagan. Thanks for success. success.